Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 92nd edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, a digital forensics, cybersecurity, and information technology firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is, is working with virtual assistants putting your law firm in danger? Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We'd like to thank our sponsor, SiteLock, the global leader in website security solutions. Learn more at sitelock.com forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, PINow.com. If you need a private investigator you can trust, visit PINow.com to learn more. Our guest today is Tom Lambot, the CEO of Global Mac IT a national managed service provider providing complete end-to-end legal technology services to Mac-based law firms. They provide leadership and direction to transform law firm operations and boost profits by leveraging technology. Tom's methods are based on over a decade of research, testing, and real-world refinement of best practices, working directly with Mac-based law firms and firms switching from PC to Mac. As usual, Tom, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm honored. Well, Tom, when we use the phrase virtual assistance in our title, I'm pretty sure that many of our listeners don't know what we mean. So this will probably be the longest question for you to answer, but please tell us what those are, virtual assistants are, which ones are likely to be most familiar to lawyers, and why are they booming? So virtual assistants are essentially anyone that you don't have on your payroll that is working virtually. That's a pretty wide description. The most common that people would be familiar with would be outsourced call center, for example, like CallRuby or CallOne. There's a lot of different services like this. But it also goes into virtual paralegal services. So instead of hiring a paralegal that's actually working and employed by your staff, you can outsource this to someone like that. Another example that's more popular is a service like Fiverr, for example, or Upsourced, where you need to have a website designed or a PDF form created or some advertising, you know, it could be a lot of different things. You just create a job, you say, hey, do this for 10 bucks, and someone can virtually create that, whether it's someone here in the U.S. or someone in a number of countries throughout the world. And the, the benefit to it is that, you know, you can have odd jobs done here and there without having to hire someone full-time that's working inside your office or even part-time. Well, Tom, I know you and I kicked around some notes about this subject, but can you let our listeners give them a little insight about potential security implications of these virtual assistants and why lawyers should be concerned? Yeah, so the main thing is how you're choosing to work with a virtual assistant. This came up for us about a month and a half ago where one of our clients in Texas was entertaining the thought of hiring some virtual assistants to do a significant amount of work, you know, for their firm. So far more than just call Ruby where they're, you know, appointment setting and taking an incoming calls, but they were actually looking at giving them access to their, you know, Clio account, giving them access to their file management solution. I think they use Dropbox for business. So when those kind of questions came up, that set off a number of red flags for my team, just thinking about security, saying, whoa, 
who are you giving access to? Where do they live? What computer is it on? There's a lot of questions that came up. And that's when I reached out to you and Sharon right off the bat. I said, hey, I know you have an IT company as well. You focus in law. Have you come across this and how have you treated it? So that's what brought it on initially. So if you could, Tom, paint for us a picture of some of the troublesome security scenarios involving virtual assistants, because I don't think many people who are probably listening to the podcast actually have thought through the scenarios. Yeah, I mean, it's a real nice picture when you think about virtual services. I use multiple services probably every week. I'm using some kind of, you know, virtual service. I used Fiverr to create an elaborate type form just a couple weeks ago. You know, I wrote it out on paper. I said, hey, build it. $10 and 24 hours later, I had it built, which saved me a significant amount of time. So the problem that you can run into is when you're giving access to your firm's data to certain people that you're requesting to get the work done for you. Something that's become more and more common for us is having uh, security audits requested by our law firm's clients. Right, saying, hey, we need to know that your law firm is doing all these security things. And one of the common questions is, do you have access to control all the devices that are the data is stored on, right? So that's one of the things that comes up. If you've got a virtual assistant that's doing work for you remotely and they're accessing your Clio and all your accounts or accessing your company's file systems and so forth, they're doing work on your actual clients, how can you actually secure those devices? You know, what do you know about them? And it, it creates a whole bunch of questions that we started going through and thinking about and when I did some research online and I, you know, I, I did my Googling and Googling around <laughs> found me very little research. This, I, I was really surprised that this topic hadn't been discussed any further. You know, I, I found websites by virtual assistants and virtual paralegal services, you know, that are really focused on the legal niche. And none of them really discussed the security aspect, which I, I, honestly, I was shocked. <laughs> well, you know, Tom, I don't know what your experience has been, but I'm not so sure that a lot of firms are interested in the uh, security aspects of their own employees first. Yeah, there, there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, and, you know, for my team, and the, a lot of these questions were really brought up by my project manager that was working with our clients. And they said, hey, we, we can't, you know, they asked us to set up some systems for these virtual assistants. And we said, whoa what are we looking to do? How can we control it? I'm like, we can't ethically stand behind and tell you, yes, go ahead and do it. Sure, we'll set up a Clio and a Dropbox account and we'll hop on their (laughs) computer and set them up because it's just handing off the keys to who knows who, right? Who knows where and who knows who. So I think it's a big issue that really needs to be thought about, you know, extensively. Again, this is beyond, you know, creating a a digital, you know, web page using Fiverr or using Call Ruby to do some appointment scheduling. But if you're looking to hire virtual assistants, virtual paralegals, services are going to be handling client data. There's a lot of things you need to think about to make sure your data is secure. You mentioned the where. Where are these virtual assistants working and, and why does it matter? Because of laws. <laughs> you know, you, you've got some that are U.S.-based. You've got, I mean, they're, they're all over, you know. It, right, it makes right. perfect sense. You can get great coders, great graphic artists and all that in India and in Europe and Eastern Bloc countries and Brazil and the Philippines. You know, I, I've worked with virtual assistants in all those countries and there's a great case for it. However, when it comes to providing legal services and your client's data, There's many rules that really vary once you go into crossing international borders, especially with GDPR, if you have clients that have anything going on in Europe. So I don't have all the answers, but I know the questions uh, kind of make me stop and think. So it's kind of a liability issue. Is that where it's heading? 
Yeah, it's definitely a liability issue. I mean, if we were to set up a computer for someone and grant them access and they don't realize it, but their password is fished or, you know, one of the websites, let's, let's say that, let's say they get access to Clio and Dropbox and they're doing some work for ABC Law Firm and ABC Law Firm asks them to do something else. So they create a login for another website. Like many people do, they use the same password. And so they might not think about it, but let's say a few weeks later that website is breached and those emails and passwords are now being sold on the dark web. That's an entry point back into Clio or Dropbox and it puts the entire firm's data at risk. So if you don't have control, and, and that's only one scenario of dozens of different ones. What kind of computer is a virtual assistant working on? Are they on a PC? Are they on a, a Mac? How old is it? Is it being monitored? Is it being maintained? Does it have virus protection? Right. So there's all these different questions. Also, if they're working for five other law firms, or if they're working for 10 different verticals, you know, doing work for anyone that requests it, now you've got a co-mingling of information. Let's say they attached the wrong file and they sent your client's file to one of the other law firms accidentally, right? So there's all, the, it's just a, a web of potential data breaches just waiting to, uh, to untangle. <laughs> well, it is a complicated web, and that is that is a fact. I think you might have answered the, the next question I was going to ask you, which is about the devices and networks that these virtual assistants are using and why that matters. Is there anything else you care to add to that? I mean, it all comes down to control. You know, when we're doing the security audits, which are becoming significantly more common, Again, so a law firm's clients is required to prove that the you know law firm security is up to date and secure. One of the questions is, do you have control over the computer? There's so many different ways. You know, the cyber threats are continuing to evolve at such a rapid pace. You can't just have virus protection and be secure. I mean, that's what Sensei does. That's what Global Mac IT does. Is we help our clients be secure, and we you know we lock down their systems so we can see what's going on. We can minimize all these risks. And so if we're doing all this work for our clients on their network and their devices that they own, but then they say, hey, uh, yeah, go ahead and give a set of keys to this person over here. I don't really know who he is. I don't know where he lives or what kind of stuff he's done or what he's involved with, but he's going to do some work for me. So go ahead and give him a set of keys is essentially what they're saying. So uh, again, red alerts, right? And again, I'm, I, I'm not here to kind of poo-poo on all virtual assistants and kind of services, but it's really, you have to face those questions. And we did a lot of internal research talking with our, you know, systems administrator, you know, our kind of highest security person on our team and our project manager and working with our clients to try to find a solution that would work. But ultimately we really couldn't come up with one, you know, it's just like, hey, this is a risk and you're, you're putting your law firm at risk, you know, and, and to what end? How much money are you really going to save by not hiring someone even part time? You know, and you can still have remote employees. You can have someone working remotely from home, but then you can control that device, right? You can send them a computer that's got all your tools on it and you have a lot better access as opposed to a virtual assistant who you don't know. You know, no, that's true. But really, one of the points you're making um, is that we can help our clients if they listen. And I take it in this case, you, <laughs> you had a client who actually listened, right? They did. I, I, I mean, we we kept coming back to them. We said, "Hey, honestly, the only way we can see this, you know, working, 
is by buying a computer and shipping this virtual assistant one of our devices that we have our tools on that we can control. Because otherwise, you know, we kind of had to say, we're not getting involved. You know, we actually have a denial of service letter that we use for clients on occasion where they don't listen to our recommendations. Then we'd say, okay, well, if you don't want to listen to us, that's fine. Go ahead and sign here, right? Absolve <laughs> us of any liability because when something happens, we hope it doesn't. But if it does, it's not going to be on us. So it's really important to think of all the different angles. How can you best protect the client attorney privilege? How can you regain and stay in control of all your data? And if you can't ensure your clients who are asking you to do one of these security audits, I mean, from looking over, I, I read over a few security audits and getting ready for this discussion today, and all of them have questions that would make the security, you know, not pass, essentially, if you're working with virtual assistants in this manner. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. At least 80 of the 100 biggest law firms in the country have been hacked since 2011. Protect your firm and your clients from cyber attacks with SiteLock. Their industry-leading cloud-based suite of website security solutions includes website scanning, web application firewall, including DDoS mitigation, and 24-7, 365 US-based customer support. Give your firm and your clients peace of mind knowing their information is secure. Learn more at sitelock.com forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a -a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PINow understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is, is working with virtual assistants putting your law firm in danger? Our guest today is Tom Lombot, the CEO of Global Mac IT, a national managed service provider providing complete end-to-end legal technology services to Mac-based law firms. Well, Tom, I think we danced around this a little bit in the first segment, and I think I know where your answer is going to go here, but do you think we can control or at least put something in place to manage some of these virtual assistants by using contracts and policies? Or are we kind of stuck with technology and something hard and fast? This isn't uh, legal advice, right? I have to give my own disclaimer (laughs) here. Um, You know, for all of our clients, we recommend that they need to have acceptable use policies in place with everyone on their team. They need to have mobile device management policies in place. And these dictate what is and is not okay to, you know, do on a computer, essentially. That's a short version. So, you know, we thought about some ideas, like how can we add security? How can we reduce the risk for the client? And, you know, I don't know 
if a virtual assistant would be willing or able to sign an acceptable use policy that essentially says, hey, here's how I'll use the data. Here's how I'll use my computer. But there's just so many different factors at play that we cannot control. And again, I, I keep going back to the same thing, but you have to think, where can you control? You know, perhaps some policies and how you would set this up would be really granting minimal access so they can only access what you're asking them to work on, right? As opposed to, hey, here's the Clio account. But even then, if they're seeing client information, how can you ensure it's not going into the wrong hands? So policies might be a start, but you really have to talk to an employment professional to find out how far that policy could be withheld, right? Let's say someone does sign an acceptable use policy and they say, yeah, sure, I'll sign this. But then there's some kind of data breach. How can that be upheld, right? Where does the liability actually stop? Can they enforce that with someone who's a virtual employee? You know, I don't know the answer to that, but again, it's it's hard because a lot of my answers are questions, um, <laughs> right, questions for more information. But it's really, it's just my purpose is to cause the users to think instead of just diving in and just opening an account, hiring this person, sending them all this work, and just thinking about, you know, rainbows and unicorns. You know, you have to think <laughs> about what are the negative things that can happen? You know, what what can happen as, a, you know, if, if I'm not careful here, if I don't think about these different things? Indeed, there are some unicorns that are evil out there, and they do seem to crop up from time to time when you get yourself in one of these situations. So suppose you have a virtual assistant working for a number of entities, and we talked about that a little bit. But what kind of questions should people ask to make sure that the data is secure, especially from a technological standpoint? How can we ensure there's no commingling, you know, would be one of my questions. You know, if they have, if they're using Microsoft Outlook on their computer and they've got five email accounts, you know, it would just, it would be too easy to accidentally send an email from one account to another. Same thing with files. You know, if they're getting files and they're going into their downloads folder, how do they keep track and ensure that they will never accidentally send the wrong file to someone? So one idea I had would be creating a separate user account just for when you're working for us, us being the client, right? What could be one idea? So th these are security suggestions, but I don't know how far they'll they'll go in securing the client. So Tom, let's, let's talk a little bit about the due diligence and what should an attorney I guess the steps they should go through, and, and we're kind of talking around some of that already, but investigating the security of a virtual assistant. You know, certainly the lawyers have an obligation to perform due diligence, and I'm sure that's kind of what started this whole conversation uh, between you and your Texas client, right? Was That's what they wanted to do. Yeah, they had an idea, and they said, hey, we want to do this, but how can we do it securely? How can you support us in doing that? First would be, I mean, you've really got to do your research into the company as a whole. You know, if you're considering a virtual assistant company, you got to do your homework. Just because they have a nice, pretty looking website, don't sign up right away. We judge a book by its cover way more than anyone likes to think. I, I remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I worked for a consulting firm and I was calling on CEOs of half a million to five million dollars in revenue. And before I called them, I would check out their website and instantly, you know, I would judge them. Sometimes you'd have these 1989 websites, you know, like the fourth website ever created. And it was for a company that was doing $10 million in revenue, you know. So just because they have a good website doesn't mean they're a good company. You've got to find out who's behind the company. Where are they based out of? How do they protect your data? How do they secure your data? You know, one good question that just popped in my head right now actually is take one of these security audits and send it to them. 
and say, hey, can you complete the security audit and tell me how you're securing our data? How can you make sure that the, you know, there won't be data breaches? Um, that, that hadn't occurred to me until right now, but I think that's a really solid idea for starters. Well, I'm about to ask you a legal question, so feel free to turn it right around on me after you give me your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Fair warning there, Tom. But who is liable in a data breach that involves virtual assistants? I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> I would say it's the client. I mean, if they choose to hand data to this party and then that party ends up getting into the wrong hands or having a data breach, the client made the choice to hand over the data. So again, I am in no way, shape or form, you know, have an ounce of legal knowledge. Um, well, when you say client, you mean law firm, right? The yes. law firm that is your client. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you're going down the right path. First of all, if there's a data breach, everybody's going to get sued. So you have a virtual assistant, they're going to get sued, but are they the deep pocket? No, they're not the deep pocket. So they'll be named in the suit more than likely, but the law firm is certainly going to get sued because that's where the money is. And are they going to be liable? You know, these things always end up settling that's what happens. But the bigger the suit, the bigger the settlement. So this business of having virtual assistants is far more dangerous, I think, than most law firms realize. And they pay vastly insufficient attention to exploring both the policies and the technology involved in protecting the client data when they employ a virtual assistant. So I think their liability risk is huge. And you can't just, not everything is covered by a cyber policy and their regular insurance, if they don't have a cyber policy, they're certainly going to be in a world of hurt. So this is something where we have to, and I know you lecture like we lecture all the time, we have to keep telling them this is very significant. You manage your risk by a combination of doing all this reasonable investigation, using technology, using policies, and then you cover the rest of the gap with cyber insurance. So that's the best you can do. Do you agree with that, Tom, being a non-lawyer? <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. I mean, in, in this case, the reward, you know, does not justify the risk. You know, you, you've talked about, you know, the lawsuit and the suing or whatever, but outside of that, there's so much more, you know, the cost to your reputation and, you know, the cost to mitigate a data breach and the time and energy you're going to be spending doing this instead of practicing law and billing hours and to save how much money, right? So, Again, virtual paralegals out there are, are going to hate me right now and probably all of us because of the discussion we're having. But if they can bring back and tell me how they can secure the data, I would love to hear it. But the sad truth is we did the research. We looked online. We found you know, virtual paralegal websites and we looked around and there was nothing ever brought up about security. And so until you prove me otherwise, I'm not going to be a believer in using outsourced legal virtual services. Well, Tom, finally, we've been talking a lot about security, but, you know, what can we do to improve our security posture with virtual assistance? I think Sharon kind of touched a little bit on cyber liability policies, and, and that's a good, a good way to go. And I know a lot of law firms probably don't realize that they don't have coverage and or the writer, but I'm glad she mentioned that because I'm in the process right now of renewing our cyber liability coverage. And they talk about first party and third party. And, you know, uh, do you have control or does the third party have control of the data? And that's radically, I think, gonna, going to impact premiums. But that's just one item. But are, are there other things that we can consider to improve that security posture? I would consider all the different ideas we've brought up, right? So the best idea I've brought out of this discussion is asking them to complete a security audit, 
I would ask the cybersecurity company that's, that's uh, you know, issuing the policy, asking them specifically what would happen in this scenario. That's something that hadn't hit me until today when, when you brought it up again. But say, hey, I know we've got the cybersecurity policy. If we worked with virtual assistants and there was a data breach, would that be covered? Would that be included? They might outright say, nope. You're on your own. On, and we, we don't know. I, I don't know which way. I'd be really interested to find out what they would say in response. But again, it's you are giving up control. You know, you, you're, you're just opening the door to a whole bunch of things that you have zero control over. And so in my mind, if I was the insurance policy, the insurance company handing out that policy, I'd cover myself from that because that's a huge risk that otherwise they're not open to. Well, we sure have appreciated you joining us today as our guest, Tom. It's always such a pleasure, always a good conversation. And really, some of our best friends are, strictly speaking, sort of competitors. But isn't it funny? There's plenty of fish in the ocean and we all get along beautifully. And isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Absolutely. It's all about mindset. You know, it's an abundance mindset. And if you have that, everyone can get along just great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. Your expertise is always so valuable and we just enjoy talking with you. So we appreciate you being with us, Tom. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and cybersecurity services at SENSEIENT.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.